Join me in prayer here as we jump into the word this morning. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing in our midst today. Holy Spirit, would you come and blow afresh across this room? I pray that the rain of heaven, the, the refreshment of heaven, the life of heaven, like spring rains, would just come and would wash people this morning. And we would be renewed in our, the spirit of our minds, Lord, that our countenances would be refreshed this morning in your presence, God. Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do. A spirit of revelation would be released, and we would, you would touch our hearts and minds, and we would see so clearly, Jesus, what you've done for us. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray these things. We set the rest of the service apart to you right now. In Jesus' mighty name. If you agreed with that, you said, Amen. Amen. I have notes, not sure we'll get to them. Um, <laughs> I said that first service too, and it was the truth. We didn't go anywhere near the notes, it was great. So I probably actually could just do this, it's fine. Um, it's just for show, I guess. Yeah. I, I, want to, uh, I want to speak into something this morning. It's on my heart, I feel it pretty clearly try to revisit some of the stuff that we did in the first service, but I'm not sure if we'll get there. So, But I, I want to say to you that this world, the actions that you experience in this world, other people's, you know, the result of their choices, the spirit of this age, it's like a dust storm. When you get near the consequences of other people's choices, it can bring defilement to your soul. You're at work, and you've been in God's presence, and he makes you tender, and you feel the sense of God's love and the clarity of his voice, and all of that's possible in moments like these. We're worshiping, and he just makes you tender. You, you, you know when you're experiencing his presence so strongly and powerfully, and, and then if you step out of this environment and you head you know, into the world that there's so often, it's like walking into a dust storm after getting out of the shower and the stuff just sticks to you, man. It, you, you get in a conversation at work and someone tells a joke that's just kind of ah, off color. It defiles your conscience. It makes you feel like kind of gross or a conversation goes a certain way. And next thing you know, you're, you're, you're having to sort of navigate through how you feel about something and, and you can feel it. You watch the evening news and you're watching the results of other people's choices and the knowledge of that stuff, it's like dust getting on you. And, and, I, and every time we come into the Lord's presence after those kinds of moments, it's like rain and it washes you and it cleanses you and his word sprinkles your conscience. And this is a necessary function of walking with Jesus. Like, he causes his word to wash us clean. We're to wash one another with this word. We're to speak to each other and encourage one another while it's still today, while there's light. We're, we're to encourage one another on to faith and good deeds. And why? Because our consciences get defiled, because our, the sense of who we are gets polluted by the thoughts and the systems of this world. It's like a smoke that chokes you out. 
Is anybody alive this morning? And when we come into an environment like this, there's an opportunity to make your heart tender before the Lord. To allow his washing and, and just an inner work, a refreshment of your soul. And man, it, it, it causes you to be sensitive. I, there's times where I, I just so distinctly, I'll, I'll, I'll be in the Lord's presence. Often worship is the place where I encounter the Lord, you know, just in really powerful ways for me personally. For others, it might be in the Word, it might be nature. I don't know what it is for you, but for me, it's in times of worship. And I'll get tender before the Lord. And when I come out of that environment, I feel almost guarded. Because if, if I go from that to a crass conversation, it's like a clanging gong in my ears. It's just harsh. Like, ah, I don't want to be around that. You can feel it. The defilement of your soul. You just feel it. You know it. When you get near the Lord and when we talk to one another and we minister to one another, it is like washing each other's feet, renewing one another in the spirit of our minds, like ministering to one another. There's a refreshment that comes. It's so powerful. But what I have realized is this that God is moving in our day and he wants to use you powerfully. He wants to use me powerfully. And the difference between when I'm in tune with what God's doing or when I am dull in my heart, when I'm feeling calloused, is my heart condition. The difference between when I am on fire, passionate for Jesus, going after the, all the things that God wants me to do, all that, versus just being apathetic. It's my heart condition that is the differentiating point. God hasn't changed, but something in me did. Can you identify with this at all? Recently, um, I have been feeling stronger and stronger like God is positioning his people into a, like just strategic places in society and that, that he is wanting your life to be like Daniel. Daniel was a prophet, but more than that, he is an Israelite, was a, a young man when Israel went into captivity. He was made a eunuch. So he's never going to have kids. And he's put into service of a king that is absolutely wicked. Because of his giftedness, he's seen as one of the astrologers. He's seen as uh, 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 a person who can conduct themselves in spiritual matters. And so he's an astrologer. He is a magician. He is a wise man. You know, it's, it's all the people that practice some form of spiritual witchcraft, if you will, some kind of spiritism, that were lumped together. And Daniel was gifted like this, and so the evil king put him in that group. Labeled him incorrectly. He's a prophet, but got named as one of the astrologers. One of the people who could interpret the heavens and tell the future and all that kind of stuff, right? His gifting set him in that group of people. And can I just tell you that... I think that God has uniquely and powerfully anointed your life so that people get around you and they start to see and perceive the truth. And so God puts you in positions so that you can influence the world. What's interesting about Daniel, though, 
is that Daniel's, more than likely, it was his parents that were murdered by the king he's now asked to serve. What's interesting about Daniel is that he watched his whole society burn, and now he's put in service to a regime that is evil. He's labeled a magician, like, hey, you're one of these astrologers, you're one of these magicians, you're one of these witchcraft people. And so he put into that group of people, and their job is to counsel this evil king in how to do the best job that he can to rule his kingdom. What would your heart do? How, how, how would you handle that? Your job is to give advice to a wicked king that killed your parents, wow. murdered your family, and made you a eunuch. How's your heart doing in that situation? Man, I've had some bad bosses, okay, but nothing like that, right? Like it's a legitimate, maybe contentious point. And yet Daniel loves him, serves him in a way that honors and values his presence. He is ministering to this wicked king as if he's called by God to do so. He doesn't mind that he's being called or labeled something incorrectly. In other words, he's not at all worried about the world's perception of him. Okay, the world might label you incorrectly, right? If you give somebody a prophetic word, they might ask you, like, oh, are you a, are you a psychic? Are you, maybe, maybe they misinterpret what it is that you're doing. You encourage them, you, you know, whatever it is, something spiritual happens. Oh, you're a healer. You know, it could be easily misunderstood. The work of Christ in you to them, easily misunderstood. Daniel doesn't seem to worry or be bothered at all how the world perceives him. He's okay just being labeled a magician. Awesome. No big deal. His job, serve the king. One day, this wicked king has a dream. And this dream bothers him so much, he calls all of these wise men, all his counselors, all the spiritual people in his life, calls them all together and says to them, tell me my dream. And the magicians say back to him, hey, tell us the dream and we'll interpret it for you. And he says, no, 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 that's not what I asked. I want you to give me the details of what I dreamt last night. The magicians reply back, there's no way. No one has ever asked anybody to do such a thing. It's impossible. Like, how does anybody, how can we perceive what you dreamt about? That doesn't make any sense. And the king says, well, I tell you what, either do that or I'm going to kill you all because you're all liars, clearly. <laughs> there's something going on there where the wicked king is searching for truth. He knows the dream matters and he's looking for a God answer. And this group of people that say that they represent God, that those are the people that he should get an answer from. And so he's demanding that they tell him the dream. Why? Because he's trying to prove either you represent God or you don't. And he sees through it and he goes, ah, no, I see you for what you are. You are conjurers and tricksters. You have spiritual language, but you don't have any power to perform. And he's going to kill all these group of people. He's like, I'm done with y'all's counsel. Now, pause for a moment. 
Here's Daniel. By the way, for some reason, Daniel knew to avoid that meeting. <laughs> By the way, Daniel seems to always avoid those kinds of meetings. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, those are his buddies. Where is Daniel in the day where they asked them to bow down to the statue? <laughs> He's like, ding, ding, I'm out, see ya. For some reason, he always knows when to not be present, okay? But they come looking for him, and they approach Daniel, and they say to him, here's the deal, you know, the guard who's going to kill him tells him, Daniel says, whoa, give me a day or two. Let me pray. Let me seek the Lord. I'll bring the king his answer. That right there, I believe, is the attitude that you as a believer are to have. I believe that God has strategically inserted you into relationships because he wants to talk to you about stuff. And that every one of you have access. That it's not a special gift and it's not a special platform. It's not a special office or a special anointing or any of that stuff that makes you able to hear the Father's voice. You are his child. He loves you and he is speaking to you. He wants to talk to you. He's positioned you in the lives of people that are seeking and need to know truth. And he wants to give you answers. And he is the God who knows all things. And this is your confidence. That you have a father who knows all things. He knows the solution for every situation. So you should not fear. He wants to talk to you and to reveal truth to you. But you're going to need to seek him. And in your seeking him is where you're going to have to deal with your heart. Because it is your heart that stands in the way from perceiving what God's saying to your life. It's your heart. It's not the lack of a gift. It's not a life circumstance. It's what's going on in your heart that is standing in the way from you perceiving, understanding, and being able to do what God's calling you to. Hmm. Daniel goes in. This is Daniel chapter 2, verse 19. He gets the answer. Yay! Right? Solution comes to him. He gets an interpretation of the vision. He sees it. The Lord reveals it to him. And these are his words. Verse 19. The mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. And Daniel blessed the God of heaven and said, Let the name of God be blessed forever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It's he who changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God, my Father, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power and even now you've made known to me what they requested. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Hmm. I think the Lord wants to do this with you. I really do. I was, um, I've been in many situations where we're praying for answers for things. You know, someone's seeking understanding. And... By knowledge, we're pursuing it, and we're trying to figure out an answer. We're trying to dig through the issue, and, you know, you see it from all ends. People are brainstorming answers. You know, everybody in the room is trying to achieve an answer. You ever been in one of those meetings? 
there's a problem, we're trying to figure, figure out the answer. And it's just clear that everybody's answers, you know, they're fine, but they're not the answer. And then, like a whisper, somebody just says the right thing. Just the right thing. It's like a perspective change, like somebody in the room does a Jedi mind trick and just goes, hey, let's just think of it a little differently. And they ask the question just a little bit differently or they propose the answer just a little bit differently. And suddenly it's like weight enters the room. <laughs> there it is. Oh, why couldn't we see that before? What in the world? Why? That, it was right there in front of us. The answer was there the whole time. And then suddenly it appears. Anybody ever experienced that? Just like it dawns on you. Just, oh, there it is. When the Lord breathes his wisdom, when the Lord speaks, there's a weightiness to it that doesn't need to be defended and it doesn't need to be like explained. It just is the answer. The Holy Spirit of God rests on your life. And he will whisper these answers, and when you speak, it'll be a weightiness that causes the hearts and minds of people who don't know him to suddenly know what way they should go. It'll come like that. God wants to use you so powerfully. But it's not because you're a prophet. It's not because you're gifted. It's not because of whatever. It's because you know your father. This is... Matthew chapter 13, we're going to read this passage and we're going to camp out here just the rest of the time here. It's pretty straightforward. Matthew 13, we're starting verse 1. That day Jesus went out of the house and he was sitting by the sea. Okay, I love this. Like evidently one of the disciples had a house on the lake. And so he just grabbed, you know, he's got his morning coffee and he's going out to hang on the beach. Like, that's pretty sweet. Right? I, can't you see yourself doing that? Like, oh, yeah, we're at the beach house this week. We're going to hang out. He grabs his coffee. He walks outside. Maybe he's just going to take in the day, except for this. And then a large crowd gathered to him. That's annoying. What do you think the large crowd's after? What are they after? Because for him to walk out of his house in the morning and they're all like, you know, just <laughs> waiting for him. It's not a picture. It's not paparazzi, right? They're after something. What are they, what are they after? They're, there is something of life happening in Jesus that, that people are recognizing. He has something I don't have. Everywhere Jesus goes, crowds of people are following him, and it's because they're sensing, knowing there's something in him that I need, I long for. Life is flowing through this guy. Jesus is just, he's, he must have just radiated with eternal life because the vacuum of in, that was in society, the, the sense of, of just desperation and need. You can almost feel it's palpable. He walks out of his house and he sits down and then crowds of people are gathering around him that just doesn't make any sense unless they recognize and they know they need something from him. Can I tell you, I know the world's not gathering outside your house, okay? But I promise you that if you're living 
from eternal life and your friends go through something and they don't know what to do, they're coming to you for answers. I promise you that the world around you is looking at your life. Is it putting on display eternal life? What's it putting on display? If your heart is alive before God, there is something like a river flowing through you, y'all. Your heart condition really matters in this case. So the crowd is standing around Jesus. You can almost hear the sucking sound in the air. You know, come on, give it to me. Large crowd gathers to him. And so he got in a boat and he sat down. So he sits in the boat, kind of pushes out from the, <laughs> the shore. You get a little space. And now he's kind of got this weird, awkward moment. He's sitting there, you know, sipping his coffee, and everyone's just kind of standing there looking at him. They're all standing on the beach. The whole crowd's standing there on the beach. And then he started telling them stories. Now, I believe fully that this story we're about to read is related to their desperation. They want something from him, and he's not denying it from them. They want something from him. They're there to get something. And so he tells them this story. Have you ever needed something from God? And you're in that place of need, and you're asking God, I need, and you're pulling on heaven, I need. This is the story Jesus tells you. Ready? Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and birds came and ate them up. Others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7, others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil, and it yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. He who has ears, let him hear. End of story time. And then he just sits there, goes back to drinking his coffee. The disciples come up to him, right? Verse 10, the disciples came to him and said, why the heck do you do that? <laughs> why are you doing this? You are telling them stories they have no understanding for. Like, why are you doing this? Why do you speak in parables? A parable is a story that means something, but unless you know what it means, it doesn't help you. And so the sucking sound is in the air. People are desperate, and Jesus tells them a story that's supposed to, like, help them, but they don't have any idea what he means. And the disciples are like, hey, why do you do this? And he explains. To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he, who has, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear. And they do not understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled. You will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. Why? 
For their heart of this people has become dull. <laughs> he is saying to them, it ain't a gift. Your heart's disciples are soft and pliable. You're seeking understanding. You're in a place of receiving. And so more is given to you. Their hearts are in a place of prove it. Prove. Their hearts are in a place of desperation, but the key to unlock this thing isn't there. Look at this. For their hearts have become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear. With their eyes are closed. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes. They would hear with their ears. They would understand with their hearts, and I would heal them. Nothing is being kept from them. This people, nothing is being kept from them. They have access to eternal life. The issue is that their hearts have become dull. Access is being given. They're hearing with their ears, but they're not hearing. They're seeing with their eyes, but they're not seeing. They're not understanding. Why? Why aren't they understanding? Because their hearts have become hardened. Their hearts have become dull. When my heart is dull, man, it doesn't matter, like, what kind of spiritual stuff is going around me. I'm just closed off, and I'm not willing to receive it happens. Like even to your pastor, sometimes your pastor is dull. Verse 16, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men desired to see what they see and they didn't see it. Hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. In other words, the gift didn't qualify them. Their acts of righteousness didn't qualify them. What qualified them? Their soft heart. I think that the Lord wants to reveal things to you. I think that he's not hiding things from you. I don't think that he's keeping you from becoming who he made you to be. I think he's trying to help you. I really do. I think that everything that you need has been given at your disposal for real. Sometimes we feel like people oppose us. Nope. Nothing can stand in the way of God's plan for your life. You can't. Evil can't resist it. Daniel serving an evil king. He chose to serve an evil king as if he was serving God. And the Lord uses him powerfully to transform the world. Pretty sure your boss is not evil incarnate. And that if you positioned your heart in the way that Daniel did towards an evil king that you could serve and love them and the Lord would reveal things that would save and cause solutions for your company. He'll give you answers to stuff that they're searching for. The Lord wants to unlock secrets to you. He's not standing in the way and he's not preventing you from hearing. What's standing in the way is a dull heart. And so he explains the parable. This is where we'll camp till the end. This is verse 18. Here's the parable. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. This is the one in whom the seed was sown beside the road. When we're closed off and we're not actually wanting to hear what God has to say, it says that the evil one comes and steals away the very seed. Have you ever had demonic stuff happening in your life and you're like, Jesus, where are you? 
Like, oh, the enemy's opposing God's will in my life. God gave me a word. We're supposed to achieve this thing. We're supposed to see this thing happen. You know, there's a promise. But instead, we've got like demonic stuff happening around us. What in the world is going on? Your heart. Your heart. Man, no one likes to hear this one. I know you don't. Like, this is where you go, amen, pastor, and please move. Like, you don't want me to say, you don't want me to stay here. But I'm telling you, the reason believers have demonic stuff happening in their life is because of their heart condition. The enemy can't stand against you. There's nothing he can do. Unless you hold on to bitterness, in which case you give him a free pass. Unless you're holding on to lies, in which case you're opening the door. Unless you are, your heart is hardened. Hmm. You know, I have uh, had a back injury for the most of my adult life. Like more, li more of my life I have lived in chronic pain than, than uh, not. And so many people pray for me over the years. I'm telling you, this can happen to just in, in any scenario, your heart can become closed to what God's saying. And so people will often come up and ask if they can pray, and maybe they get a word about it, or they see something, and they'll say, Pastor, can I pray for you? And there have been seasons in my life where I'm like, sure, but I'm just basically giving you permission, but my heart's closed. I'm like, ah, I have been hardened. I'm disappointment or frustration, all that stuff hardened me up, and I'm really not interested in your word from the Lord right now. And so did it prevent you? It didn't prevent your obedience, but it sure prevented me from receiving and I'm telling you, it is way better to be in a position of openness and receiving than it is to be hardened and let demonic crap rule the day. Come on. Are you alive? Come on. I want your life vibrant before the Lord. I want your hearts on fire for Jesus. I don't want any of this junk happening. Be open to receive what he has to say to you because so much is possible. First soil, just closed off. You're just not willing. I don't want to. Second it's verse 20. The one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky place, this is a man who hears the word, receives it with joy, yet has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. So when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately it falls away. So this is somebody, God said it, you're like, yes, it's amazing. But when it gets hard, you go, oh, must not have been from God. And we move on. I'm telling you, the reason why when affliction comes, we so easily let go of what God said is because we're holding on to something else. When you have rocks in your soil, it's because you're clinging to something. It could be a lie, like a belief about yourself that's just not real or true. It could be something like bitterness, but it doesn't always have to be. Sometimes it's like you could be clinging to an idea of what you think things are supposed to look like. And so when it doesn't go the way you thought it would look, there's no root in you. And so you let go of what God said because, oh, it must not have been right. When you receive something with joy, but it never seems to work out, most likely you're holding on to something that the Lord needs you to let go of. You can't fully embrace what God has for your life and cling to things in the world. You can't do it. You got to let go. You got to let the Lord rake through the heart and remove that stuff. You're in a river. You are a river. 
Okay, rivers keep moving. Don't get stuck on rocks. Don't get caught up and stuck in place because God wants you to keep moving. He's got life for you. Don't get stuck on that stuff. Let the Lord work through those issues. You got to let go of something. Sometimes when God asks you for something and he puts a word in your heart and he tells you this is where I want you to go, it means that you actually have to let go of the other stuff. You can't do both, one or the other. And so you, you receive with joy. Again, this is heart conditions, y'all. This is your hearts. Why am I so happy when someone gives me a prophetic word, but then things never turn out? It's not the enemy. It might be because you're holding on to something that he's needing you to let go of. Amen. So be it to be. Ha. <laughs> Here we go. Third soil. And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word out and it becomes unfruitful. This is someone who takes the word. Yes, I got it, Lord. Let's take some action on this. Let's move things forward. It begins to grow, has root to it, but it never becomes fruitful. Like what's going on there? Why doesn't it bear the kingdom fruit? Oh, well, it could be that you're not taking it far enough because of fear. Or it could be that the deceitfulness of wealth is choking you out. In other words, it's a control issue. The control issue is this, that you have the resources to make things happen. And so as the thing grows, you can finance something but it never bears fruit. Well, the reason it doesn't bear fruit is because the idea of your control and resource are choking it out from becoming dependent on the one who brings forth the fruit. You gotta let go. You, got, you can't cling, you can't control. When you seek an outcome and you have an idea of an outcome, but it doesn't go the way that you thought it would, there's fear that creeps in, or the God of this age, right? The, the God of... You, you, scripture says that you cannot serve both God and mammon or money. And man, if America has a, a God, an idol, it is this. When things don't go the way we want with our money, that's when we get mad. When policy begins to choke out your fruitfulness for future finances, oh, that's someone we got to get out. When there's any threat of monetary control being undermined, that's when America erupts in anger. Y'all, you cannot serve both God and money. You got to let go of that thing in order to become fruitful for the kingdom. It's not that you can't be prosperous or any of these things. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when God asks you to do something and you try to control the outcome so that it doesn't cost you in fear or you can just pay for it and make the thing happen without God. You can't produce kingdom things with your wallet. It's not how it works. He wants your heart. Come on, repeat after me. He wants my heart. And then it comes to the good soil. And on one whom the seed was sown on good soil, this is the man who hears the word, understands it, and indeed bears fruit. He takes action, and he brings it forth. Some hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. He hears the word, soft heart, able to receive, willing to receive. You're not closed off. 
understands it, ah, that means that you're going to take it through the wrestling process. You're going to have to let go. You're going to have to be okay with not controlling. You're going to leave it in the Lord's hands. And the Lord will give you wisdom to take action. And in that action steps, you'll bring forth something. That requires a heart that's pliable. It's usable. The Lord wants to give you answers. He wants to give you solutions. He wants to use your life to help even evil kings, y'all. To bring forth kingdom good. Remember, we're not subject to the lower systems of this world. We're not supposed to be living in that thing. We're above it. We serve in a state of love. And in that place, we're able to bring forth the rule of heaven into situations that from the outside, they look evil, but at the same time, God is bringing transformation from the inside out. Are you alive today? Come on, would you stand to your feet? <laughs> You're not as happy as I mean you to be. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I think that word was for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, y'all, the Lord loves you so much. I, I think sometimes we, just, we need to hear ourselves. You know, would you just repeat after me for a second? Just, just say, my father's good. He's not withholding things from me. He wants my heart alive and free so I can respond to his leading and bring forth life. Father, I thank you for every heart in this place that you're making them alive. The wind of your presence is ministering and there's mercy and he's washing you. Man, don't get caught up in the sins of this world. Let it get washed off of you. Don't get stuck. Don't get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin like the scripture says. Not just your sins, the world, the dust of this age just needs to be washed off of you. And so, Lord, would you just minister afresh? Cause the rain of heaven just to wash over people today. Thank you, Jesus. Refresh them in the spirit of their minds, Lord. And the Holy Spirit, you're after our hearts. You're, you're making us alive. You don't want us stuck. And so, Lord, I'm asking this morning that you would liberate every heart every heart that's been hardened, Holy Spirit, that you would soften today. And Lord, that they might not have, Lord, the lies of the enemy stealing from them, Lord. Set them free, Jesus. Lord, where we've been holding on to things, Lord, where the soil has been mucked up, Lord, because of we're, we're clinging to the rocks, the stuff, junk in this age, Lord. Ideas, forms, Lord, things that that hold us back, Lord, from flowing with you. God, I pray that you would liberate our hearts. Set us free from strongholds, Lord. Lies, things we've come to believe that we got stuck on. Jesus, let the fire of heaven consume that stuff. Thank you, Lord. Lord, where there's been lies and control, where, where we try to force our way with our finances or with our power, and Lord, where we've been fearful and unwilling to go all the way, God, I pray that choking out of our fruitfulness, that that stuff would be relinquished. Lord, we surrender to you. Lord, we declare that you are the one who gives power to make wealth. You're the one, Lord, who gives seed to the soul or bread to the eater. You're our provider. You're the one, oh Lord, who makes provision for our lives. We trust you, God. So Lord, we relinquish outcomes. God, 
We are part of something bigger, generationally, Lord, and we don't always see the outcome. And so, Lord, we surrender to you afresh today. And Father, I thank you that every heart here is good soil. Come on, you are good soil, y'all. Your heart is good soil. Jesus gave you a new heart. He's made you alive. And Lord, I pray today that this heart would bear hundredfold fruit. Come on. Just declare that over yourself. I'm a hundredfold heart. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you remind us of the things that you've said? Bring it back to memory, Lord. Don't let it be stolen. That we might walk in its fullness in these days. God, I bless your people. Mighty, powerful, hearing, perceiving what God's saying and doing. In the light, not afraid this world might be touched by your goodness, Lord. I thank you for these things. Now I bless you, church. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his face and his countenance shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and grant you peace. And everyone who dared to agree with that said, amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today?